You're listening to Radio Looks Listed. I'm your host, Steve Matthews. Thanks for joining me for episode 61. The title of today's episode is The Jesuits Promote Mass Migration Madness. Well, welcome to the program, everybody. It's great to have you here on the podcast and on the live stream. And uh, today it's uh, Saturday, October 2nd, 2021. And, um, you know, before I, I, I get into my my main topic here today, I I, you know, I really talk about sports. In fact, I think I never talk about sports on this podcast. This isn't a sports podcast. But there's something today that happened that was just amazing. Um, my UC Bearcats, I'm a proud graduate of the University of Cincinnati. My UC Bearcats went to play Notre Dame at South Bend today and beat them. Uh, 24 to 13 was the final score. Um, I looked at, I uh, saw, read a, a column in a, a local paper here after the game was over, and they said the last time UC and Notre Dame played was 1900, so 121 years ago. And UC lost that game 57 to nothing, uh, which is kind of what I thought might happen in uh, in today's game. You know, the. Uh, yeah, UC historically has not had a, a great football team, but this year they're actually ranked in the college top 10. They started the season out in the top 10. I think that's the first time they've ever been ranked in the top 10 to start the season. And uh, they, uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't watch the game um, because I, I, I've got this Cincinnati thing about me because we always seem like no matter what team we're talking about, they always manage to choke or to blow it in some uh, appalling fashion. Either they get blown out um, in an embarrassing way, or they find some way to choke at the last moment and, and end up with a crushing defeat. You know, it's kind of like the old uh, back in the in the day they had the ABC Wild World of Sports. You know, it'd be the agony of defeat. You know, the, they had the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. You know, and and uh, you know we got a lot of agony of defeat around here, but <laughs> not a whole lot of thrill of victory. Um, so yeah, that was an amazing thing today. They they actually I, I I didn't think it was possible. If you'd asked me before, I would have said nah, they're, they're not going to win. Um, uh, oddly enough, they were even favored to win, but I still didn't think that they. I figured they'd probably just find a way to 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 not get the job done. But they they got the job done, and uh, so so yeah, that was that was really exciting to see that. You know, I remember when I went to UC, and this was back uh, goodness probably in any of the eighties nineties. They were were really terrible at football, and in, in fact, I, I think they were really um, one of the favorite homecoming guests of the Big Ten and the SEC. So, you know, like anytime one of these big time football schools, they they'd want to have bring uh, bring a uh, bring cannon fodder in, you know, for the for the homecoming and the alumni. They they'd bring UC, so you know, UC would go, and you know, they'd play Alabama or they'd play Penn State or they'd play, you know. I don't know if this was uh, Miami University or University of Miami. Um, you know, this is back in the 80s when they were winning all those national championships. Yeah, and they go and they play the homecoming game and they lose by some absurd score. Um, I looked up a uh, back in 1991, just to kind of give you an example of how bad UC has historically been at football. Uh, they lost to Penn State 81 to nothing in 1991. Uh, and and that that was the worst defeat ever in team history. But you know they that that was not untypical, like I say, or atypical of them to lose by um, wide margins to some of these really you know marquee uh, football programs. And so to see them go up and, and to win that game today was 
Uh, it was really extraordinary. And, and oddly enough, as, as weird as this sounds to say, they actually have a door open for them to play for the national title this year. Uh, now, who knows? I mean, that's three months from now. There's a lot of football between now and then, but... Uh, uh, that was exciting. That, that was that was fun to to see that. I, I finally snuck, uh, you know, sneaked down in the fourth quarter and watched the end of the game because I just I couldn't bear to watch it. Um, I, I really couldn't because it's, it's just like I say. I, I guess it's just uh, you know, I've gotten into this sort of cringe mentality in, in uh, for Cincinnati sports where it's just um, almost always disappointing. So anyway, um, that was exciting to see that. I, I really enjoyed that and. Uh, you know, um, one other thing here today too. I had a chance to go out and do some bike riding. I, I ran out. I rode uh, about twenty-eight miles today. I was out at Lunkin Airport, it's out on the east side of Cincinnati, and uh, it's such a such a great day to get out and ride. You know, it started out. It was in the the uh, the low sixties. By the time I finished, it was I think about seventy-three degrees. And after biking twenty-eight miles, I I didn't even break a sweat the whole time, and just because of the weather. I mean the uh, it's one of the nice things, you know, September and October really do bring some of the nicest weather in Cincinnati. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's warm enough. It kind of still feels like summer, but it, it dries out and, and you don't have all that just really nasty, oppressive humidity like you get in the summer months. And, uh, it's really a, you know, just a beautiful time of year to go out and, and ride. And it was a, it was a real blessing to be able just to get out and, and, and to do that today. You know, what a, uh, what a great opportunity. I'm so thankful to be able to, to do that. Well, um, why don't we do this? Go ahead and, and dive into to some of the uh, the stories that, uh, that I wanted to cover here. And, and really, before I get into the, the Jesuits and all the mass migration and immigration and other skullduggery that, that those guys are up to, um, one thing that, that did catch my attention here, too, today is they had, I guess, the big women's march. I guess it was the fifth uh, women's march, they called it. And this time the women took to the streets, I guess, in Washington, D.C. and throughout the United States to defend their unalienable right to kill their kids uh, in the womb. And, of course, we're talking about they, they were, uh, they were uh, marching for abortion rights. And I went out. In fact, I'll, I'll uh, do a screen share here with you. Let's see if I can get that going. Um, uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, this is a scream share. This is from the uh, the Women's March website. And uh, it says here, We must mobilize and defend our reproductive rights. Join us on October 2nd, 2021. Pledge to march now. So so that was today. And uh, underneath that, if you scroll down, this is just, again, it's on the homepage of the uh, of the Women's March. And and they say in here, you know, they, they say it's called Feminist Future Series. And it reads, from the crisis facing women in Afghanistan to the abortion ban in Texas. How did we get here and where do we go from here? Join the Feminist Future Series and let's get to work. We'll learn from the struggles and choices of everyday feminists throughout history who've navigated similar waters. And we'll look inward at ourselves as we build hard skills to create a feminist future. So they're, they're wanting to build a feminist future. And, you know, one of the things I, I haven't written a, a lot about feminism either on my blog or, and I haven't really commented about it all that much on, on this podcast here. Um, I'd like to be able to do more on it. It's again, it just gets down to doing, uh, having the time to do some of the reading that I, I'd like to be able to do. But one thing, you know, uh, about feminism is, is it's closely tied to abortion. Those two things are uh, almost joined at the hip. I don't know, perhaps you could even argue that, that feminism is it what is what, uh, had, gave birth 
if you want to want to use that uh, particular figure of speech, what gave birth to the the whole uh, uh, abortion rights movement. And uh, you know, years ago, I, I was re- this was a book that I read. Um, I think it was by written by a fellow who was a uh, I think it was a psychiatrist by profession. Um, but he made a, an interesting point that stuck with me over the years. And I don't believe he was a Christian, but I, he had a very keen observation. And, and he said this. He said this about someone's, someone's sex. He said that it's, it's the first thing you notice about someone and the last thing you forget. And that's such a, a basic observation. I, I think maybe it's, it's, it's easy to even just overlook that. But if you stop and really think about it, that's a, that's a profound thing. Because I mean, what what he's really saying is that you know our our sex, whether we're men or whether we're a woman, um, is really integral to to who we are, and and of course that's supported by scripture, right? I mean, God made man; He made them male and female, male and female; He created them. Uh, and you know, in, in the scriptures, teach that um, that the sexes are, are complementary; they they are not the same. They're not the same. You know, and of course, feminism wants to tell us that, that they are the same. You know, maybe with the exception of, oh, you know, a few superficial differences are the same. No, they're not. You know, and, and that, that men and women have different roles to play. Um, that is not, uh, oppression. Uh, that's not the, the patriarchy that's doing this. Um, that, that is, that is God's design for the human race. You know, actually, patriarchy is God's design for the human race. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And, of course, the feminists spit that out of their mouths as though, you know, it's some some poison pill. And I guess, of course, if you want to adopt feminist um, thought, uh, of course, that is offensive to them. Um, but it's a savage philosophy because it is a, a an attack on on who we are as people in a way that I, I don't know that any other philosophy really attacks who we are in the way that feminism does. It's, it's savage, it's brutal, and it has brought all kinds of evil into the world. Uh, I don't think there is such thing as a good feminism. I mean, sometimes you hear people make these arguments. Well, you know, feminism back in the day, you know, it had, it, it was a good thing, and, but now it's just gone too far. No, I mean, feminism was always a bad thing. It was always ungodly. It was always unbiblical. It was always unchristian. Uh, it was always anti-human, uh, if you want to put it that way. Um, it has always been destructive, and there was never a time when it hasn't been destructive. I was uh, reminded a little bit of something that John Robbins wrote about that. Uh, he wrote a book uh, a number of years ago, I guess probably back in the 80s. It's been a while. Um, it's called Scripture Twisting in the Seminaries, and he wrote early on in that book, quote, the rise of the women's movement with all its attendant evils, child abuse, promiscuity, adultery, homosexuality, abortion, and divorce has not met the sort of strong Christian opposition that it would have met in earlier centuries, end quote. And of course, so I mean, you see that in John Robbins where he ties feminism to abortion. And of course, we see that here on the Women's March website. They tie, you know, feminism uh, and abortion go right, go hand in hand. So, you know, feminism and killing of kids in utero go hand in hand. You know, I mean, you know, having having children is is considered a blessing by God. It's it, it's held up everywhere in Scripture as as a good thing, uh, but the feminists think that it's a bad thing and it's something that should be terminated. And uh, of, of course, the the correct Christian position on abortion is that it's murder. You know, it, it's infanticide. It's it's child sacrifice. 
You know, I mean, of course, you know, the ancient, you read the Old Testament, you know, and, and the pagans uh, surrounding Israel practiced uh, child sacrifice. And, of course, some of the, the Israelites uh, were drawn into that as well. You know, they, they made the children pass through the fire. Uh, is the uh, is the phrase that is the way it's put sometimes in the Old Testament, and and there were Hebrew kings that did that. I think Ahaz, I think Hezekiah's father Ahaz did that. I think it said that about him, and and the, I think there were probably other kings that did that as well. That's just one that happens to come to mind. Uh, it was child sacrifice, and of course we look on that today and we say, well, that's a horrifying thing, and and of course it was a horrifying thing, um, but so is abortion. You know, that's just our modern version of child sacrifice. That's what that is. That's our, our modern day, I don't know, Milcom or Molech or, or something like that. And, and these women are out marching um, to, uh, to continue that, that awful practice. And, and that is a, a sinful and extraordinarily evil thing that, that they are doing. Well, that's uh, enough, I guess, for now on on just uh, the women's march and abortion and, and feminism and all that. Uh, that's a that's a huge topic, and I think it's one I'd, I really would like to explore more uh, going forward. But uh, but for right now, you know, I, I think one of the biggest stories we've got going is all of this this mass immigration and and flooding of our country with migrants and refugees and immigrants and 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 all of the chaos that's being created and deliberately being created on America's southern border. This is being done deliberately by the Biden administration. It's part of their carrying out of uh, of their program of political romanism. They're basically they they are carrying out the Pope's um uh immigration, migration and refugee policies. The, this is romanism. This is political romanism. This is what political romanism looks like. You know, this is the Babylonian harlot attacking the United States of America uh, through uh, mass illegal uh, and even legal uh, immigration, migration, and refugee resettlement. And so what I wanted to do here, though, today is I wanted to especially focus on on the Jesuits' role in the, the immigration crisis and promoting the immigration crisis. Now, you know, America has many enemies, both foreign and domestic, and among the greatest of our enemies are the Jesuits. Uh, you know, the Jesuits have been kicked out of many, many countries since their founding some five, well, I guess almost 500 years ago, and they were kicked out because of their treachery. You know, there's good reason for them to be kicked out. Uh, rulers, uh, even, even popes, um, have not trusted uh, the Jesuits. I mean, their reputation is so bad that there are many people, even within the Roman Catholic Church, who just denounce and detest uh, the Jesuit order because of their reputation, and I would say well-deserved reputation for, for lying, for skullduggery, for um, dishonest dealing. Um, and uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a truly extraordinarily evil organization uh, is, is the Jesuit order. Um, you know, the Jesuits are attacking America from many angles right now, but the one I wanted to focus on today really is their their uh, their immigration assault on the United States. So let's just run through a few stories here. Here's one, and this was on uh, CNBC uh, from Thursday, September 30th, so just a couple days ago. And the headline reads this, U.S. will no longer deport people solely because they're undocumented, Homeland Security Secretary says... 
Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas on Thursday said immigration officers can no longer detain and deport people from the U.S. solely because they're undocumented. In other words, if you come in and break our immigration laws, I guess uh, essentially what he's saying here is that if you, you violate America's immigration laws, you really haven't broken a law at all. That's not a real law. In, 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 essentially, he's removed um, by this this new guideline is, is the way that it's it's presented here. It says Mayorkas unveiled new guidelines that direct ICE officers to focus on the arrest and deportation of immigrants who pose a threat to national and border security and public safety. So I guess just merely coming into the United States illegally doesn't pose a threat to uh, national and border security or public safety. That's just awesome. It's just fine to go do that. And, and there's no problem there. So really what he's saying is we don't you know, he, he's, he's saying to those who would come to the United States Ill, illegally, come on up. Come on up. And then is it any surprise when they do that? And then this man is so dishonest that he'll turn around and say, well, you know, the problem with all the mass migration, you know, all these Haitians and all this other stuff that's, that's going on, on on the southern border in Texas and in Arizona, um, all of this stuff, well, this is all Donald Trump's fault. No, it's all the Biden administration's fault. It's the Biden administration. It's Joe Biden. It's Alejandro Mayorkas. And it's, it's the other people that are connected with this. It is their fault. They have done this. They are doing this to the United States of America. They are committing treason against the United States of America. That is what they're doing with their immigration policy. That's what they're doing. Um, so, you know, Alejandro uh, Mayorkas thinks it's just fine for someone to openly violate America's immigration laws. If you're in the country illegally, well, that's not enough reason to deport you. Essentially, that's saying we don't have immigration laws. Um, here's another. Uh, this is uh, the Washington Post, and this is on the same story. DHS, that's the Department of Homeland Security, issues new arrest and deportation guidelines for, uh, to immigration agents. So it's really, I guess, the Department of Homeland Insecurity, uh, apparently. Um, of course, you know, these are some of the, well, I, I don't know, I was going to say, you know, the, the Biden administration, of course, you know, they, they love to denounce the American citizens as, you know, as, as terrorists, domestic terrorists, and all this other stuff. Um, but I mean, the, you know, they're more than happy to bring in all these non-citizens, put them on the dole, um, you know, with the, the ultimate goal of making them American citizens and getting the vote in elections for the Democrats. In other words, what they're doing is they're carrying out replacement migration. That's what this is. You know, they, the, the government of the United States, Joe Biden, uh, and, and not just Joe Biden, but really America's elite classes. And you see this kind of thing out of, say, Barack Obama, out of uh, Hillary Clinton. You know, I mean, Barack Obama years ago, I mean, he made that famous comment about people, you know, bitterly clinging to their guns and religion. You know, and, and he was talking about mostly, you know, America's white uh, historic a core population. That's who he was talking about principally. You know, and, and of course, um, Hillary Clinton, you know, famously denounced Trump supporters as a bunch of deplorables and talking about the same kind of people. You know, and these are the people, these are the great and good people. These are the, the people who've been to all the best universities and they have all the best positions and all the, you know, and they're, they're lauded by all of the, um, the glitterati out there, uh, all of the, the elite sophisticated people. Uh, and they look down their long noses at at ordinary Americans, and they hate them, and they want to destroy them. You know, I, I think it's it's hard for a lot of uh, just ordinary Americans, like people like me, or or uh, maybe like many of you who are listening to this this podcast, 
to understand how much you're hated by your own government and by the people that make decisions. They detest you. I mean, this is not a fight that you started. This is a fight that they picked. Okay. You know, and it's, it's something that, you know, you know, the bell is ringing, the alarm bell is going off and, and you and I need to answer this. We need to answer with courage, uh, in Christ, uh, as Christians. Uh, but we have this headline here, DHS issues new arrest and deportation guidelines to immigration agents. And Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas issued broad new directives to immigration officers Thursday saying that, uh, that the fact that someone is an undocumented immigrant should not alone be the basis of a decision to detain and deport them from the United States. Well, I mean, that's ridiculous. Of course it should be. They violated American immigration law. They've done so willingly. They've done so knowingly. They should not be in the country. You know, but of course, he wants to import as many people as possible. He wants to keep the ones who are here, uh, here, and he wants to encourage those who, uh, who are coming, uh, to continue to come. I mean, what he's done is he's lowered the cost of illegal immigration. And in economics, I mean, economics will tell you that the lower the cost, the more people will tend to take of it. So if you lower the cost of illegal immigration, you're going to get more illegal immigration. That's what he's doing. And he knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. And, you know, the word is right now that there's a massive massive, uh, caravan of, of Haitians uh, new caravan of Haitians on the way to the United States. Here's a headline. This is from the New American. And it says, 40,000 Haitians on the way to U.S. through Mexico, Mallorca's update, no deportation order. And it reads here, if you, if you thought uh, Afghan rapists and child molesters were culturally enriching, you're in for another unexpected treat. 40,000 more Haitians who helped create the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere are moving through Mexico on the way to the U.S. border. Uh, the leftist mainstream media seem to have ignored the figure uh, from Breitbart News thus far. The Camp of the Saints invasion might not be the worst of what the Biden regime has planned. Uh, the Camp of the Saints, that's a, an interesting book. It was written by uh, Jean, it's a Frenchman named Jean Raspey, I, I believe is how they pronounce his name. But he wrote this book, and this was written 50 years ago, so it was written in the early 70s. And it was about... Uh, France being overwhelmed by by migrants, and in, in his in the in the book, it was I think they were coming from India, but they were just boatloads after boatloads after boatloads, and these people would come and 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 it was really all about um, it was really a criticism of the the idea of of altruism. Because people, you know, there were people that in, in the novel, there were people who were running France. I read the, the novel, it's been a long time, but as I recall, you know, they say, oh, we have this, this obligation to take care of these people. And so they come in and then, you know, they, they take care of these people and you have boatloads and more boatloads and more boatloads and millions and millions of people coming in. And all of a sudden, France was completely overrun, um, which oddly enough is, is pretty much exactly what's happening to France today. You know, um, you know, I think that the uh the native population of France is going to become a minority within that country fairly soon um and it's uh, with, with all the mass immigration that they have coming in particularly from muslim countries it's i, I think it's an open question whether france is even going to exist uh, at least historically as we know what as we think of france uh, so that was the novel camp of the saints and i think and, and of course you see the same kind of thing happening here in the united states um, and the story goes on here in New America. It says, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas issued a new order on September 30th that all but stops deportations, even those of hardened criminals. 
Backed by President Joe Biden, Mayorkas has already planted more than 12,000 Haitians in the country. Once the next 40,000 assemble at the border and perhaps break through, or if Mayorkas invites them in, they won't be deported either. So, I mean, this is this is what the Biden administration has planned, and, and that won't be the last of it. I mean, you know, there, there will be additional wave after wave after wave after wave that are going to come uh, because of the activities, because of the policies, the deliberate policies of the Biden administration. And this is not an oopsie. This is not, oh, golly, we didn't expect that stuff to happen. No, they deliberately created this. And they are continuing to deliberately create this. This is an assault. This is an attack, an open attack on the United States of America by the Biden administration. Um, so we have here uh, this uh, Alejandro Mayorkas who gave this order. He's the DHS secretary, and, and he says he's not going to deport anyone. Uh, you know, he says it's come one, come all. You know, well, uh, essentially, and, and and of course, what goes unsaid, but it, it's just as important. It's you know, it, it's implied in all this is that they're all going to be put on the dole and eventually become Americans and vote for the Democrats, and then they can vote for they vote more free stuff for themselves. You know, to punish those nasty, deplorable Americans who really deserve the beatdown. You know, that that seems to kind of be the 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 plan of action and the the thought behind uh, behind all of this uh, this mass immigration. Now, I, I started out this section talking about, you know, the, the Jesuit migration madness, the connection between all of the, the, the kind of insane uh, immigration, refugee, resettlement, migration policies that the Biden administration has adopted uh, and the Jesuits. So what does all this have to do with the Jesuits? Well, um, one thing that's very interesting, I just found this out today here, that, that Alejandro Mayorkas, um, he... He got his, uh, he's, he's a lawyer. He got a law degree, uh, and, and he got his law degree from Loyola Marymount University, uh, in, which I believe is in Los Angeles. Now, anytime you hear, hear a, a school with a title named Loyola in it, uh, that's a Jesuit school. Uh, Loyola, of course, that's named after Lo uh, Ignatius Loyola. He was the founder of the Jesuit order. So this Alejandro Mayorkas, he was trained by the Jesuits in law. And you can find that if you actually look on his uh, his Wikipedia page. I believe it says that. Uh, yeah, so he went to the he he went to the University of California Berkeley. <laughs> so he went to I guess that's one of the famous hippie schools there. He went to Berkeley uh, for his undergrad, uh, but he he went to Loyola Marymount University for his uh, uh, for his law degree. Now there's a an article that I found about uh, Mayorkas here. Uh, this is in the New York Post from uh, just uh, this past, just earlier this week, September 26, 2021. Alejandro Mayorkas, Seven Border Lies. Well, I guess one of the reasons why Alejandro Mayorkas is such an extraordinary liar is, well, I mean, it's because he's, he's trained by the Jesuits. I mean, that's what the Jesuits are known for, is lying. I think they call it casuistry. Um, is there, there a system in which they justify this sort of thing? Uh, but yeah, he's uh, yeah he's trained by the Jesuits, and he's quite adept and quite comfortable with uh, uh, with lying. So, what are some of the lies? He says it says lie number one. Approximately, I think it's about ten thousand or twelve thousand. Could even be higher. For the last couple of weeks, Mayorkas has bobbed and weaved whenever asked how many of the Haitians camping under the Del Rio, Texas Bridge were being released in the United States and how many were being deported. At one point, he blamed 18-hour days for his lack of clarity, but it's clear that the administration always knew the numbers and they just didn't want to reveal them. 
Now it's impossible to stop the process. He again lowballs the number 12,000 vaguely, and it could be more. He knows it's more. Uh, line number two, what we do is follow the law as Congress has passed it. I'm not going to read through all of this here. Line number three, we have uh, enforcement guidelines in place that provide the individuals who are recent border crossers who do not show up for the hearings are enforcement priorities and will be removed. What a total joke. I mean, you're, remo- you're, you're, you're bringing in thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon tens of thousands of people, and you're just going to release them. And, you know, probably a, a huge percentage of these things. Um, in fact, even here, it, it says that Fox News' Chris Wallace noted that 40%, 44% of those who apply for asylum fail to show up for the court hearings. So at least 44%, probably, you know, who knows, probably, maybe more, um, are not going to show up for the court hearings. And, and, uh, Mayorkas wants us to believe him that he's going to, he's going to really get after these people. Nonsense. He's not going to do anything about that. He's just lying. Um, Line number four, the Border Patrol agents blocking migrants from crossing illegally painfully conjured up the worst elements of our nation's ongoing battle against systemic racism. Well, this is a bunch of hooey, too. Um, this is one of the things that the Roman Catholic Church generally likes to do. They always are attacking the Border Patrol. The Border Patrol are the worst people in the world, and the people trying to crash into the United States illegally, they're awesome. Everything they do is awesome. Yeah, and of course, they're trying to play the race angle here as well, trying to play the race card, I guess is the way they say that. Well, you know, I think the Border Patrol was doing a wonderful job. I fully support what they did. Uh, they did not whip people. Even the person, the, the, the guy that took the photo that has become so iconic, you know, in this whole, you know, whipping, supposed whipping of the, the Haitian migrants, uh, theme. Um, he said that, that, you know, that, that the, uh, the agent was holding reins, uh, and they didn't whip the migrants. Yeah. So, I mean, that whole thing was just fake news. It was just a lie. It was designed really as a diversion by the Democrats to take people's focus off of their disastrous policies, which they have deliberately set up that are destroying the United States of America. And they, they, you know, they, they tried to shift the focus. So, you know, it's, it's look over here. Don't look over here. You know, you're looking over here at all these migrants. No, you don't want to see that. What you want to do is you want to see all these quote racist, uh, border patrol agents when nothing of that sort took place. You know, that is a vicious lie. And let's see, here's another one. Lie five, we do not agree with the building of the wall. The law provides that individuals can make a claim for humanitarian relief. That is actually one of our proudest traditions. And the New York Post says, you know, the wall is to prevent someone from sneaking over the border illegally. If someone's applying for humanitarian relief, they go to an official border crossing. That's, that's right. You know, in fact, if, if you want to come in as an asylee, or, you know, as, as a refugee, you know, if you're being persecuted in your home country, you can go to a U.S. consulate in that country uh, and apply uh, as a refugee. But you don't have to come sneak into the United States illegally to do it. Um, but, you know, my orcas wants to just continue to, to, to lie about, about the policies of the Biden administration. Um, 11 million people in this country without lawful presence is a compelling reason why there is unanimity about the fact that our immigration system is broken and legislative reform is needed. By reform, says the New York Post, Mayorkas means mass amnesty. Yes, that's exactly what he means. Uh, to the Democrats, there should be no limit to those allowed into the United States, and all of them should become instant legal residents, even citizens. Um, but, uh, 
so so yeah, that you know when when they talk about reform, that's exactly what they they mean. They want to create tens of millions of new Democrats. You know, they can that they can dilute your vote, they can overwhelm your vote, and you know continue to push this country into uh, into socialism. And the final one says, I wouldn't call it a flood. The pictures of a ragged tent city of 15,000 under a bridge in Texas would say otherwise. Yeah, it is a flood. And it's a flood that's being caused uh, by you, Alexandra Mayorkas, and of course, in that, that no good, uh, illegitimate president of a boss uh, that you have, Joe Biden, who's basically just a tool of the papal antichrist. That's what he is. Um, and uh, you know, I, I wrote uh, a blog piece uh, a few weeks back, I guess about three weeks now, talking about the political Romanism of Joe Biden and and creating a situation of mass migration, mass immigration, uh, mass refugee resettlement, all done at taxpayer expense. I mean, all these people get, they're showered with fabulous cash and prizes once they come here, all at taxpayer expense. Um, this is a policy of the Biden administration, which is merely just carrying out the the immigration policy of the Pope. This is really ultimately a papal, of course, and it's the Jesuit Pope on top of all that. Um, and yeah, it, it, and so all of this stuff that, that Mayorkas is pushing is just really the, the policies of, of the Roman church state. Um, here's another uh, article talking about the lies of, uh, of Alejandro Mayorkas. This is in Breitbart News, and it says, Exclusive, Mark Morgan. Almost everything Alejandro Mayorkas says is a lie. So who's Mark Morgan? Well, Mark Morgan, it says here in the article, it says he's former chief operating officer and acting commissioner for Customs and Border Protection. He told Breitbart News that Secretary, uh, that the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, is regularly lying to the public about the status quo of border security and illegal immigration. Almost every quote, this is a quote, quote, almost everything that comes out of that man's mouth with respect to border security and illegal immigration is a lie, end quote. Morgan said on Sirius XM's Breitbart News Sunday with host Joe Pollack. Last week, Mayorka blamed the Trump administration for an outgoing flow, an ongoing flow of migrants across the southern border. The former administration, he alleged, quote, dismantled our capabilities, end quote, to address migration across the U.S.-Mexico border. Morgan remarked, quote, The Biden administration has created the worst situation we've seen in modern history. This president inherited the most secure border in modern history and has destroyed it all. They're lying to the American people. This does not make me feel good to say, but I'm going to keep saying the truth, end quote. And of course, um, Morgan, uh, Mark Morgan is exactly right. The Trump administration, they did some really good work on the southern border. There are problems. There are things they could have done better. Um, you know, they needed to address, for instance, birthright citizenship, which is just insane. But um, nevertheless, you know, they, uh, you know, they, they did they did a lot of good work. They helped stanch the flow of the massive amount of illegal immigration across the southern border of the United States and Mexico. And for this line, no good Alejandro Mayorkas, this Jesuit-trained Alejandro Mayorkas, Department of Homeland Security Secretary that we have, to even begin to blame the situation in the southern border of the Trump administration is one of the most obviously dishonest, bogus, nonsensical things that I have personally ever seen. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I know the politicians lie, but that's kind of like next-level dishonesty. I mean, that's, that, that, that's, that's definitely kicking it up a notch. 
You know, that, that's not just your normal kind of lies. I mean, that, that, that's a special kind of dishonesty. Um, you know, and yeah, of course, you know, he's trained by the Jesuits. That's what the Jesuits do. They lie a lot. Um, they have a big problem with, uh, uh, with the, uh, the whole, uh, bear false, bear, bearing false witness thing. That's a, that's a, that's a real challenge for those guys. Um, you know, and the thing is, in my work, this is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, one of the things, and I was just doing, uh, just a quick search of the internet, you know, for, for Jesuits and, and immigration and, and these types of things. And I, I mean, finding connections between Jesuits and the promotion of mass nation, nation breaking migration, uh, it's actually one of the easiest research projects you could ever have. I mean, this, I mean, there's a lot of low hanging fruit out there. And, I, and I'm sure that I've just barely scratched the surface on this stuff. But here's a couple of things that I found that I, I thought that I'd, I'd share with you that maybe you'd find interesting. Here's one. This is on the uh, Jesuits.org website. And it's on, it, it's their, their migration section you can see here. Uh, here's what it says. Migration. We are committed. This is the Jesuit speaking. We are committed to building a culture of hospitality and solidarity with migrants, refugees, and asylum seekers. Many recent policy changes in the U.S. and Canada expose migrants to considerable danger rather than protect them. Our advocacy efforts promote compassion and humane policies that honor the inherent dignity of every person. Well, I'll tell you what they're not interested in doing. They, they have no compassion, or nor do they have any humane policies toward the citizens of the United States or Canada or any other Western nation that that uh, they're trying to to force all these migrants on. They couldn't care less. If you're an American, if you're a Canadian, uh, if you're a German, or if you're you're a, uh, a citizen of Great Britain, or subject, I guess is what they call. It, I guess is the proper term. But if if you live, you know, if if you're a a person in uh, in Great Britain or or any other, or France or Italy or any other uh, Western nation, they don't. They could not care less about you. They hate and despise you. They just all they do is they see you as a host, kind of like a like a parasite. The way a parasite views a host, they're parasites, and and they want to use what you have to promote uh, their globalist goals. And they are globalists. You know, I've, I've written, I've written, spoken about that before. You know, the Roman Catholic Church is the beating heart of globalism. The New World Order is geopolitical Romanism. That's what that is. Um. And so, I mean, you know, the other thing, of course, is they use that term solidarity, you know, and, and that is, if you read uh, John Robbins' brilliant book, Ecclesiastical Megalomania, he talks about solidarity as being one of these buzzwords that, um, that uh, Roman Catholic, that you see in Roman Catholic social teaching. And um, there's not, they, they don't really define it all that well. And I think what uh, what John Robbins said ultimately about it, he says that solidarity really just is kind of like a vague sort of collectivism. So whenever you hear these Jesuits or any other Roman Catholic talking about solidarity, you know, think some sort of collectivist socialist kind of idea. And that's that, that kind of an, an, an is is uh, in summary what they mean by solidarity, but if you look at some of these other tiles that they have here on this this particular page, here's undocumented uh, communities call for urgent legal protection. In other words, these are people who have come to the United States or some other country illegally, and and and, and they want to stay. They're not undocumented; they're illegal aliens. That's what they are. 
um, undocumented is simply that that's just a euphemism that the Jesuits are making up to lie to you about what these people actually are. And, and you can see here from this banner, it's talking about DACA hope. Well, DACA, what is that? Deferred action for childhood arrivals is what that stands for. And, and of course the Jesuits and the Roman Catholic church and the Democrats and all these leftist progressive types that want to destroy the United States of America want to make all these DACA people, um, uh, citizens. They want them to, to be citizens as soon as possible. So they can vote for Democrats and vote for socialism. Uh, and uh, again, overwhelm the uh, historic core population of the United States with their nonsense. That's what they want to do. That's what they want to see happen. And then the Jesuits are, are right there um, pushing all of this stuff. Here's another title, Jesuit Network Advocates for Migrant Rights and Report to the United Nations. Okay, well, what about the rights of citizens? Yeah, of course, you know, they, they don't matter. Everything from the Jesuits, it's always about migrants, 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 migrants. Uh, you as a citizen don't matter. You have to understand that these people despise you. What are the possibilities for immigration reform in the United States? And again, what do they mean by immigration reform? Mass amnesty. That's what that means. Now, my idea of immigration reform is, uh, to, for starters, getting rid of birthright citizenship. But of course, that would that that would be absolutely appalling. I mean, the, the Jesuits are outraged about that. I've seen articles written in Jesuit publications about it. Um, you know, and it's uh, they're just vile, vile people. Yeah, here's another article: Help the Jesuits end Title Forty Two. Now, you know, Title Forty Two. What that does is it's it's a a legal um, statute or rule, what have you, out there that allows for the summary deportation of people from nations with a high incidence of infectious disease. Um, so the Jesuits want to foist you know, a lot of COVID-positive people on you. So, I mean, you know, you go around and you see all this stuff about COVID, 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 COVID. And, uh, you know, and we're all going to die from COVID. We all have to get locked down. We all have to be masked. We all have to be vaxxed. Uh, we all have to accept all these draconian um, rules to protect us from, from COVID. But of course, you know, we can let all of these migrants just march across the border. Um, and, and they all have COVID and, and we're all just supposed to ignore that. We're supposed to think that's awesome. So, I mean, yeah, the, the, uh, the Jesuits want to foist COVID positive people on you. Yeah. You know, that's what this is all about. Help the Jesuits end Title 42. No. No, I will never help the Jesuits end Title 42. This is a complete fraud. Yeah. You know, these people are treasonous liars. That's what they are. They're deceivers. Um, here's another uh, another uh, Jesuit website. This is called the Jesuit uh, Refugee Service, JRS. Now, one of the things that you notice when you start researching Rome and, and immigration is the extraordinary number of organizations within the Roman Catholic Church dedicated to uh, to immigration treason. I mean, it's their stock and trade. I mean, it's it's unreal. I mean, you know, I. I, I need probably to build a spreadsheet and uh, and, and start cataloging all these things because I mean you just keep running across them and I just you know it's just one after another after another. It seems like every week I find a new one. I'd never heard of this organization until today. I didn't know that the Jesuits had a, a refugee service, but they do. Um, you know, and it's the typical sort of uh, liberal leftist uh, claptrap that, uh, that that they promote. Um, Afghan refugees need our help. You know, and of course, our help, what that means is taxpayer help. Um, you know, and so you can read through some of this. Jesuit Refugee Service USA on court ruling allowing Biden administration to continue migrant expulsions under Title, I believe that's under Title 42. Let's take a look here. 
Yeah. Yeah, so the Biden administration actually managed to do one little thing that maybe is just a little bit um, positive toward um, toward uh, uh, American, actual American citizens. You know, and, and of course, all of the, the Jesuits and, and their hangers-on, uh, they're outraged by this. Uh, so let's go down and look through some of these other things. Uh, Jesuit Refugee Service USA stands in solidarity. Of course they stand in solidarity because they're a bunch of socialists. They, they love that word solidarity. With Haitian migrants at the border. Of course they do. Of course they do. Um, here's another one. Jesuit Refugee Service USA commends Biden administration recommendation to increase refugee number to 125,000 for uh, fiscal year 2022. Well, of course, you know, they want to flood the country with uh, with refugees, all which will go on the dole. Um, you know, refugees uh, especially are eligible for the entire panoply of the U.S. welfare state, which was also brought to you by the Je- by, by the Roman Catholic Church state. Um you know, that is the welfare state. They they were the ones that were out there chiefly uh, cheerleading for this sort of thing. Um, and again, John Robbins details some of that in his book, uh, Ecclesiastical Megalomania, which I would highly recommend to you. Um, it's an absolutely brilliant book, and, and I, I can't uh, recommend that book strongly enough if you're interested in understanding the economics and politics of the, uh, of the Babylonian harlot. So, yeah... Yeah, and of course, one of the things that always just drives me nuts about these uh, these Roman Catholics is how they will get up and and they talk in these high minded terms. Oh, yes, you know why? Why we we must stand in solidarity with the migrants and we urge uh, the Biden administration to increase the cap to one hundred twenty five thousand. But what they never talk about is the cost the, to the American people, and it is a huge cost to the American people. You're bringing in welfare migrants, welfare immigrants, welfare refugees. That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. Um, and in fact, um, I, every now and every great now and then somebody in the Roman Catholic Church will will tell the truth uh, about this. And and there was a, and I've quoted him before, there was a a, a book that was written, it was uh an edition of uh, of a uh, papal of a of a papal constitution um, called uh, uh, Exul Familia Nazaretana, uh, the Emigre Family of Nazareth, and in the Roman Catholic Church, this was written by I think it was Pope Pius the Second back in 1952, and it is the um, in fact the book it's book calls this Exul Familia. It calls it the Church's Magna Carta. Uh, for migrants. And so all of this Roman Catholic rubbish about migrants uh, and, and, uh, and their rights and this type of thing is, is based upon that document from 1952. Um, and in this particular edition, it was put out by some Roman Catholic priest. His name was Giulio Tesserolo. I think I'm saying that correctly. Um, and and he wrote in the the preface to this this book this edition of Exo Familia about the enormous cost of all of this migration. He said, "Well, you know, due to the enormous cost, it can only be borne by countries in the English speaking world." So he was actually he kind of let the cat out of the bag about the cost. Of course, these Jesuits here, you know, they they don't talk about that. They 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 want you to just focus on oh these poor migrants. Oh, we have this this duty, this moral obligation to do, to take care of them. No, no, we do. Not. We and by the way, who is we? And they never really define who we is. 
Um, what they really mean by that is the citizens of these countries uh, have an obligation to fund these people through the welfare state. Well, one of the biggest lies of the Jesuits and the Roman Catholic Church generally on immigration is that Christian charity and state welfare are not the same thing. There's no uh, biblical case for the welfare state. You know, that the Apostle Paul said, if a man will not work, neither let him eat. You know, there's no example of a welfare state being set up uh, in, in Israel in the Old Testament. Some people may, may object and say, oh, well, well, you know, there are laws against going and, you know, and, and uh, going and, and beating your olive trees a second time or, or harvesting the corners of the wheat field or things like this. Yes, but you know what? There were no civil penalties attached to that. You know, there wasn't any uh, olive tree police in the law of Moses that went around and said, oh, you, you've, you've gone, you went back and you, you gleaned your olive trees a second time, you know, and you're going to get, you get, get slapped with penalty. You know, you have to, to pay a penalty to the priest. You have to go offer a, a sin offering on the altar or something like that. There were no civil penalties. Uh, now, it was a command of God, uh, but there are no civil penalties attached to it. So it was a sin not to do it, uh, but it was not illegal. You have to distinguish between things that are sins and things that are crimes. There are some things uh, that, that are both sins and crimes, and there are some things that are sins but not crimes. And the way you can tell the difference in the Old Testament is if there is a, a command given uh, and there is a civil penalty. If there's a command with a civil penalty, that is a, a law. That's something that, that is a, a, a legal statute um, and, and can be punished by, by the state. It's a crime. Uh, on the other hand, if you have something where there's a command, but there's no civil penalty attached to it, it's a sin to do those things, to ignore those, those commands, but there's no punishment. Now, you know, with the welfare state, of course, you know, the tax money is extracted out of your hide. Try withholding your money for the welfare state and find out what happens to you. You're going to end up with a lien on your property and you'll probably end up in jail. So yeah, there are civil penalties to that. Um, but I mean, the, the Jesuits, uh, in particular, and then the Roman Catholic Church in general, they try to blur this, this idea. Uh, and they speak of we as though we have some obligation. Well, we do not have an obligation to, uh, to put these people on the dole. There's zero obligation on the part of the American people to support any of these individuals with taxpayer money. Zero. You know, that is a lie. That is a fraud. Uh, that's uh, perpetrated constantly by the Roman church state and by the Jesuits. Um, and of course, you know, when we're talking here about, um, about the Jesuits and immigration and migration, I guess we can't ignore the, the biggest Jesuit of all, of all and of course that, that's Pope Francis. Now here's a, an article, and this is from September 27th, so again, just a few days ago, just uh, last week or this week. Headline says, as Pope urges open doors, migrants face closures around the world. And it begins here, and this is the date line, it's there in Rome. Celebrating the World Day of Migrants and Refugees Sunday, Pope Francis implored the world not to close doors to hope. It's necessary to walk together without prejudice and without fear, placing ourselves next to those who are most vulnerable, migrants, refugees, displaced persons, victims of trafficking, and the abandoned, Pope Francis said on Sunday. So just this past Sunday, last Sunday, I guess that would have been, oh goodness, let's see, what what was the date? Um, 
when was last Sunday? It was the September 26th. So September 26, 2021, that was the, the World Day of Migrants and Refugees in the Roman Church State. And of course, there was all the kinds of unctuous lectures that were put out um, by, the Roman, by the Romanists about why you should destroy your country uh, for the sake of migrants, immigrants, and refugees. That you have a moral obligation to destroy your country, your prosperity, um, to destroy the future of your children, um, to put yourself in danger, all because the Pope said that, that you, you owe, um, all these migrants your stuff. And, and of course, it's, that's an extraordinary lie, but, but that's what he's promoting. And of course, he's a Jesuit. And, and here, here's the thing that I think is very interesting. So the, the Pope's, you know, lecturing everyone on their obligations, supposed obligations, uh, to migrants, immigrants, and refugees. And then just this week, you've got this Jesuit-trained Department of Homeland Security, uh, Department of Homeland Security Secretary comes out and says, yeah, you know, people come to the United States of America illegally. Yeah, we're, we're not going to deport them. Now, do you think that there's a connection between those things? You know, do you, I think the timing is very interesting. You had this World Day of Migrants and Refugees, and just a few days later, our, this, this treasonous fellow, Alejandro Mayorkas, comes out and, and makes this pronouncement of his. Uh, and this is the man who has the gall um, to blame the current border crisis we have in the Trump administration. You know, what a bunch of hooey. So anyway, um, it, that's about all I have here for tonight. I guess we're getting on to, uh, goodness, we're over 50 minutes here at this point. So uh, yeah, it's been, been kind of long-winded here this uh, this evening. Well, anyway, I, I really do appreciate uh, you uh uh, those of you uh, stopping by on the live stream and uh, also listening on the podcast, it's uh, it's great to have you here. And I guess I better get wrapped up, get this thing edited, and get to bed. Um, and uh, so uh, I guess I wish you all a uh, blessed Lord's Day tomorrow on, uh, on Sunday. And until the next time we speak, may the spirit of truth guide you in all truth as you read and study God's Word. Good night, everybody.